This is My Rank Edges Busted, a podcast produced by Agriculture Victoria. I'm Gemma Pearl, and here we talk about all things climate and farming. In this episode, Agriculture Victoria soil moisture expert Dale Boyd and I talk to East Gippsland farmer and soil moisture probe host Dave Cordwell about how soil moisture monitoring technology has been used on his property to maximise pasture production and efficiency. So we are farming primarily based at Lindeno South in East Gippsland. We do also have uh, some country down at Mafra. It's a mixed family farming business. It's been in my wife's family for since 1894 on this particular property, which is the main property. And then it basically operates as a beef and sheep business, um, primarily beef. And ultimately, we produce cattle out to feeder and kill weights. And then down at Mafra, there's a, uh, a dairy business. Yeah, so we sort of run it all together at this point, but there's certainly plenty going on. Um, and we are dry land and irrigated in both locations. Dave is a part of the expansion of the Agriculture Victoria Soil Moisture Monitoring Program into pasture systems looking to better understand how soil moisture probe technology may assist in decision-making for livestock producers. I think we installed it in early 2018. Um, And if you look look at the rainfall data for this particular property, effectively we had reasonable rains up until April uh, of 2017. And then we basically carried through the 2017 season on soil moisture. And then it became evident from 2018 through until January of 2020 just how little moisture we had available. And so from a rainfall chart perspective, we were, you know, effectively the driest three seasons on record in effect. And so, yeah, it was certainly challenging to get the the reference point of what a full profile might actually look like on the probe. Observing the paddock and observing the readings on the probe Certainly through those dry seasons, you, you could see it after a, after a small or moderate rainfall event and probably just how quickly it disappeared, that response. So I suppose it's the first ag tech of its kind within the business. We have been users, I suppose, if you start the first sort of serious ag tech was GPS in tractors, and that's been in the business since about 2015. And then because we irrigate via pivots, we've got a lot of tech and automation in the pivot and irrigation side of things. So it's certainly the first of its type that's related to weather. Every other bit of tech we've got is purely operational. So we're pretty open-minded to the tech stuff. So, I mean, um, we're certainly not opposed to it. And I think stepping into this space was a, was a natural progression. And obviously, we've been fortunate to have someone like Dale who basically runs it from a distance. So, you know, I think one thing that we certainly value in our business that has to go hand in hand with tech is the support side of things. Dale has been working with soil moisture probe technology long before the implementation of the first Agriculture Victoria soil moisture probe in 2011. He knows a lot about analysing the soil probe numbers. Interpretation of the data is a critical component of it. And when I'm looking at the data collected from Dave's property there, it was fairly dry for the first two years and actually like we've got an 80 centimetre sensor or probe there and that deeper sensor, it only got activated after two years when there was a significant summer, summer storm 
of the volume of three inches that was able to get the infiltration penetration down and and that set us away for establishing uh, a field capacity point reference and it's always a question uh, how quickly can you start to utilize the information and to establish the the upper limits and the lower limits are the thresholds you're looking to establish but what we could identify progressing through 18 into 19 was just the individual sensors and yes there was some infiltration but generally it was on the low side and maybe getting down to 40 50 centimeters so it never built a bank we were aware of that and you could start to uh, structure some management adjustments with the business that way and with the shovel that was a pretty shallow assessment whereas with the 80 centimeter long probe we're certainly exploring and getting some great insights into the deeper moisture profiles something that yeah, wouldn't have been understood or observed previous so it's a it's a real eye-opener the capacitance values that we plot on the graph so we can still go to the next level and and determine the the water holding capacity of that soil so you know effectively how full the bucket is that's the next step for this but those hour by hour readings are so valuable and um, also with the the rain gauge that's located there as well you can get a really good idea of the intensity of rainfall over the 24-hour period so it's not just the total it's just the the way it falls as well decision paralysis can set in when you're trying to determine a location for your soil moisture probe but there are a few key things to keep in mind the concept of ag look agvic or Dale and his team looking for somewhere to place the probe came through to us locally via the Better Beef Network. And then I put my hand up in the local group to say, yes, definitely interested, see a lot of value in it. And then the site that we proposed here, we tried to pick something, a site that perhaps wasn't representative of our entire farm, but it was probably more representative of the, the greater district. We do have fairly varying soil types, so we tried to pick something that was sort of at large representative and then we also as a group we said well it'd be really valuable to have a probe you know on a fence line and on one side have some you know sort of annual cropping or highly improved pasture and then on the other side have a more permanent sort of i suppose less improved pasture so that was you know as soon as we said we wanted you know two different things on one side of the on each side of the fence we were able to sort of narrow it down fairly quickly and then the rest was sort of up to dale about where we specifically put it for that particular site we're looking for access so it wasn't too far off the the sealed road and and down the farm track uh, that we we're keeping away from waterways as well but yeah as soon as i saw that sort of the fence line it made perfect sense that that was going to be an ideal spot to position two probes same soils the point of difference is perennial versus the annuals and yeah, Dave's been able to certainly provide some significant monitoring differences by some summer rain, al allowing the perennials just to, to utilise and produce some growth. Whereas with the annual paddock, instead of growing weeds, they're actually con controlled and that moisture was able to be conserved through that summer period and, and it was uh, cherry ripe for the autumn sowing of the annual pastures. So the rain gauge is at least the, the minimum. You need to collect those rainfall figures to match up with, with the infiltration. It's a pretty simple and cheap add-on device. We've got capacity to add additional bits of weather collection 
equipment as well with this site. It's got a 12 sensor port capacity. So they're scoped to collect temperature, humidity and wind speed. Weather's part of what we do, and I suppose our aim is to is to utilise moisture when it's available, and then how we manage to to draw that across our business to create the greatest value. And I think when you look at it, it it's fundamentally really important. Ultimately, when you look at this particular probe, probably what it's allowed us to do is make some decisions a little bit earlier. Like I don't, the, the probe's not really going to do anything in a major project projection fashion although i would make comment that currently we've still got a full profile with an exceptional season here in east gippsland and we've got a full profile in december and so we're probably using that probe with the confidence to say right well we can probably you know perhaps put in place a couple of chemical fallows through until the early autumn and we'd have utmost confidence regardless of rainfall that we've got some you know moisture to start with so yeah there, there is a prediction um, I think what's been really important is that we've been able to observe the probe and learn how things are behaved based on the probe and what we're seeing in the field. And that's something that will certainly factor into future decision making. Compared to the historical use of soil moisture technology in cropping contexts, livestock farmers have used the temperature information more than their cropping counterparts. Since having that probe in I suppose some of the guys have been farming in the district longer than, certainly much longer than I have personally would say, you know, as soon as it gets below 10 degrees, the grass stops growing. And having something that regularly tracks the temperature has enabled us to absolutely understand that. And, and there's no word of a lie behind it. I suppose what we used it for this winter is, you know, is temperature the limiting factor? If we're under 10 degrees, then it probably doesn't really matter what we do. We're going to have very slow pasture growth. But then as soon as that temperature started to rise, which took, which was delayed this season, why are we seeing not seeing a response, which, you know, it enabled you to look at, you know, perhaps the nutrient side of your pastures or, um, you know, the moisture availability. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's definitely value in that sort of thing. The other thing we we do do a fair bit of fodder cropping. So we don't take anything through to grain, but we do do sort of three to 400 hectares annually of fodder cropping. And whilst it's probably not as crucial when it comes to the, you know, the autumn winter planting, certainly for the summer planting, it's been an invaluable tool. If you're looking at planting, say, well, here on this particular property, we've used it for time of planting for millets and sorghums and things like that. And we've probably been able to prove against the district perception about how early you actually can plant some of these some of these summer or sort of mid to late spring plant fodder crops. They've certainly been closely watching uh, temperatures and we've been able to put the temperature sensor at a closer soil surface level too. So it is in the, the right hitting spot. You can bring it back to that 9am reference, uh, which, is, which is great. It's a, a relevant point for the location of the farm as well they're spread fairly uh, wide actually the the actual soil temperature measurements on the on the bureau of meteorology site so it's great to to have this as, in a relevant spot ag tech is moving fast dave explains his thinking about investing it's not too far in the future for us i think when and, and i think most you know what well, Surprisingly, it's called a young farmer at 37. I mean, there's one of the challenges we face in our business is is prioritising investment in terms of there's, you know, most farmers are guilty of, of 
reinvesting a substantial amount of their return back into the business and, and we're definitely a business like that and so quite often you know there's always something else that is competing for that available capital i suppose we're certainly nearing the point where we've got on top of a few of the bigger things you know and as the as the business grows and develops that that yes um the the younger farmer that ultimately they've grown up with more technology and I don't know that the desire is any different. You know, a lot of these technologies, are, are, they're, they're designed to assist us to make better decisions or, you know, reduce labour components. I don't think it's necessarily that there's not a desire from the older generations to to have a look at this ag tech. It's kind of the fear of the unknown, I suppose. And if I look at, for example, other-in-law who's been here, you know, he was born here and he's now 70 in his mid-70s, once you get him on the tech, he, he's interested in it. But he, because they don't necessarily understand how to fix it or how to approach it, they're not naturally drawn to it. It's not that they don't have a desire. It's just that they're not a seeker of it, I suppose. But once it's there, so, I mean, I think that peer-to-peer learning definitely gets rid of some of those concerns about having someone you could call who you know who might be able to help you. If you look at the 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 way farming's developed in the last 15 or 20 years, tech has to be a part of it. Whereas for a lot of my father-in-law's generation, it didn't have to be. You could still make an acceptable return with a moderate risk without the tech. Whereas the younger generation farmer is generally like we're, and in our business, we've got two business managers that are 37 and 39. Like we're about making money and reducing the risk, making that money and making as much money as we can to grow the business. So, now that that's become a bit of the drive, the tech has to be there to be able to allow us to achieve that goal. Whereas some of the older generation, their goals are different. They're at a different stage in life. So, you know, I mean, I don't propose that we're all of a, gonna, all of a sudden going to see, you know, everyone age, over the age of 55 with a moisture probe, but they're certainly still interested in the data. And I think once you show the value, and I'd use GPS in tractors as one of the easiest examples, We've had staff, for example, that have never used it before, started within the business, been very hesitant. And after two days, they're like the rest of us. If the GPS stops, we just stop working. Do you know what I mean? And so if if there's clearly clear defined value, I don't think it matters what age you are, you you become interested in that piece of tech would be my comment. But it's about understanding the value and showing the value and having that person feel the value as to, you know, how open-minded they're going to be about that type of tech. Fundamentally, if I use an example from this weather station, where it's located is probably only, I'd be within a kilometre of where we've got 150 hectares of irrigation um, and we don't have probes under the irrigators. If you sort of start to think about what other tech in the weather space we would add to a station if we did that, I agree with Dale, you've got to understand your rainfall and we found that to be really valuable. Even just to have a platform that actually records the rainfall accurately about when it fell, how intense it was. But uh, ultimately, we also have soil temperature registered on that on that particular probe and that's been fantastic we've used that tool quite rigorously um that's aided us to make decisions about you know time of planting almost this particular winter of 2021 we were quite cold and you're able to use that as a bit of a projector of are we likely to see pasture growth at this time of year and uh, are we not 
so there's there's soil temperature is really important and another one that you know on the irrigation certainly we would look at adding i'm not sure what's out there but evapotranspiration rates would be really important to that so yeah there's a myriad of things you can add and they're all desirable but i suppose it comes a little bit back to sort of prioritizing the capital as well visualization of the data is very important if the data is not in a way that can be easily understood value can be lost on that platform there's a speedo and it talks about basically compares this year to last year and and you know where you are one year ago where you were one month ago and that additive has been fantastic because as you know you mean it's not uncommon to hear uh, you know a local farmer reel off a rainfall event in you know april 2017 like i can do it and so to have that be able to say to someone, you know, look, we're actually drier than we were last year or we've got significantly more moisture than we did in December last year, that really resonates. And I, I can't really explain why, but it certainly does resonate to be able to compare year on year and, and different times of year. If you are thinking of investing into any ag tech, there are a few key things to think about. We touched on it earlier about how something works is great, but the, the rear support is fantastic. I mean, I think we're not terrible... In fact, you know, generally speaking, I'd say I'm quite confident with troubleshooting and and that sort of thing. So most of these issues, we'd be able to troubleshoot on our own, but it would take a lot longer. What I've found in the past is you can spend a lot of time trying to sort something yourself. But if you've got that backup support, one phone call might have you you back up and going within five minutes and it might take you an hour without that help. So it's really important to have that there because what happens with tech is it's pretty easy to say, you know, oh, it's it's too hard or it's so that, you know, you've got to be really mindful if you're going to go down this tech path that it's no different to a tractor. You know, I mean, we service our tractors depending on how many hours they've done and we probably don't put enough of that same approach towards some of the ag tech, which I think it's really important to do. Um, and if you do that, things do, you know, things, things do work quite well. It certainly is that backup support and you're looking to collect that solid data set and, yeah, continuing to, to track those soil moisture changes and and weather obs, uh, continuing through all parts of the different seasons. And the other thing about this technology is that you've got the capacity to do remote diagnostics. So I can be at the site, be on the phone and be instructed of some uh, troubleshooting to identify and uh, rectify any issues that are at the sites. So that's the beauty of that as well. I mean, you made the point that I might be good at fixing things. I still think I'm better at breaking things than I am fixing because I always seem to have I always seem to have at least one to two things that are broken on the farm. So that suggests that I'm better at breaking them than fixing them. But yeah, I mean, it hasn't been a great deal. We've probably and, and Dale and I have had plenty of conversations. One of probably one of the greater challenges we've had here. We've got quite low solar radiation. And so probably getting, I think, some of our challenges that we've had to troubleshoot are are probably related to the fact that perhaps we need to look at how we're actually powering this thing in terms of how many panels it's got and that sort of thing. And and I don't know why, Gemma, that so many, I suppose it's because it's not mechanical, is why you really have to be quite rigorous with something, some of these technologies. If they were mechanical and a turning wheel, we'd probably all naturally check the tyre pressure, but because they're not so mechanical, we tend to push it to the back of our mind. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's an important point to make that any of these challenges you have with all your farm equipment, you just view it differently with different pieces of equipment. 
One thing that has needed ongoing investigation on Dave's property is the soil moisture probe and weather station's power source. South of the divide, rain days, cloud days, certainly putting pressure on the batteries with the lack of charge coming through those solar panels. Uh, the modem, which is the communicator, uh, that's its la- largest power requirement. And if we just drop too low with the voltage, it can lose its settings. So just that bit of maintenance is just always required. All the prevention is also required with these monitoring points. So appropriate guarding and fencing. So stock can't rub up against it or chew cables or anything like that. So yeah, with that rain gauge, they're definitely low maintenance. They're not no maintenance. Uh, so just that routine monitoring, just keeping an eye that the, the funnels are clear, those bird spike are, are preventing them uh, lodging dirt in there. And, and and insects, you've always got to be aware of insects. They can manage to get into any small little cracks. So just making sure all those seals are, are appropriately in place and maybe even a bit of spray or, or ant dust as well as a preventative, it all, it all helps. When we look demo it out, our irrigation, for example, we've got electric pivots that put water out and electricity and water don't go that well together. Um, and that's that's no different to, you know, I mean, it seems crazy. The world's covered with electric pivots that, you know, and electricity and water don't go together. This weather station's no different. I mean, there's an electrical component. There's obviously a water component. And certainly when it comes to, you know, insects and ants and things like that, prevention's always much better than the cure so fortunately for this probe we have a fairly rigorous program in terms of preventing that stuff with all of our other electrics so we say right and that's just gone on the list of things that get a you know that dale said to mean, we have gone away from the ant powder more towards the mothballs but we do put things in there you know early in the spring to try and prevent that one question everyone needs to consider before investing in ag tech is how is the connectivity? So connectivity is related to the the mobile service to transmit the data from the from the paddock uh, onto the server, which is located in Melbourne. That was one of the checks we were doing at the time of assessing the site and its suitability, just determining the strength of the signal, how many bars was on the phone. Uh, it was quite good at that point. And so I guess we did take note of it. It can be frustrating if you've got poor service. Uh, because it is a static unit, once it, it's got to transmit every hour, if we get a miss, we're hoping the data is at least logged and stored. And then the next hour, it'll attempt to do that upload and, and upload two hours of or two lots of data instead of just the one. So there's ways of overcoming it. But I guess, you know, we're expecting technology and the delivery of data to be prompt. So expectations are pretty high. We just probably got to adjust them accordingly to how good your service is. Here in East Gippsland, that connectivity generally is not an issue. It's the inconsistency of connectivity is one of the greater challenges. So in terms of here, like we're not, you know, we're not remote and we look at certain towers, we can see them. And then we still have areas on the farm where the connectivity is really poor. And so, I mean, that's one of the challenges with all of this. And if you try and make your connectivity better for those areas, it's really quite expensive. We've looked at it. But certainly, as Dale touched on, where this particular probe is, there's, there's really quite good connectivity. The soil moisture probe has been set up on Dave's property for over four years. I mean, I'd certainly recommend 
you know, some form of moisture monitoring in the soil to, to any farmer. But I would also say it's only worth investing in if you feel like you're going to use that data. There is a lot of tech out on farm that probably doesn't get used to its full potential. So, I mean, that would be my one comment, like find an area that you think is lacking within your business and then seek any tech that'll, that'll help you in that space. And I do genuinely believe there's a fairly good thirst at the minute for, for ag tech across most sectors is what I'm seeing. But sometimes the returns on ag tech can be a little bit hard to calculate. If you go from a three-metre seed drill to a six-metre seed drill, well, you can pretty easily calculate what impact that has on your business. But certainly something like a moisture probe, certainly before you've got one, it's quite hard to try and understand what sort of value it will bring to your business. And I think it's definitely surprised me how much value it's brought to the business than what perhaps I initially perceived. Like, And I think it's that midway point. So it's really easy to go out there and say, geez, it's bloody dry. And really easy to go out there and say, geez, it's bloody wet. But it's about fine-tuning that middle ground, which this probe certainly allowed us to do. And I do think ag tech in general, you know, if you look at any of the biggest challenges in our business, there's usually some kind of tech that we can invest in to help us with that. And so I think it's going to be a really important part of the ag journey in the next sort of, you know, five to ten years is ag tech, definitely. Through the success of the initial implementation of soil moisture probes in pasture areas, the network has expanded and will continue to improve soil moisture and temperature decision making. The best way to learn as a farmer, in my view, is peer-to-peer. So having now six probes across East Gippsland, I think that peer-to-peer learning, which is definitely a fundamental of the Gippie Ag Group, I, I reckon watch this space, there'll be there's going to be a strong interest in this area, especially probably in some of the areas that are a bit more marginal or the, or the climate variability is greater. So I think these sorts of things, yeah, I mean, watch this space from my perspective. We greatly appreciate Dave spending time to talk to Dale and I in this episode. In the show notes, you can find more information and links to all things soil moisture monitoring. You can also get in contact with us at the.break at agriculture.vic.gov.au. Thank you for listening to My Rain Gauge is Busted. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria and the Tribe. O-S-O-I-N-S-S-T's And what on earth is an IOD? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get the break. Oh, this bloke Dale, he's Richie Ditch. He knows about the subtropical ridge. The science comes in a secret code. But he knows about the southern annular mode. Well, it's SST anomaly. Lead us to a decile of one, two, three. The Nino 3 and Nino 3.4. Well, I've never heard of these terms before about SOI and SSTs. And what on earth is an IOD? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get the break. Or keep your eyes out for Enso. Will it rain then? If so, when so? The farmers need you to be specific. What's happening out in the Pacific? For westerly wind bursts blow away. All our hopes.
hopes of that rainy day. And will this year bring an El Nino? Come on, tell us, Dale, because we have to know about SORs and SSDs. And what on earth is an IOP? Can someone please explain to me? Stay up to date, get great. SORs and SSDs And what on earth is an IOD Can someone please explain to me Stay up to date